He wants to make himself real here this morning. Go to, with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. My primary text will be Hebrews 11, but this will be the springboard for what I have to say. Second Peter, chapter one, verse one. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. And Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. That is is a life to be experienced in Him. That is not just head knowledge. It's not just mental assent. That is a life experienced The life of Jesus lived through you. The divine life. In verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Look at verse 4 again. The beginning by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. And he writes this letter at the very beginning of verse 1 to those who have obtained like precious faith. I want to speak to you this morning. Precious faith, precious promises. Precious faith, precious promises. Pray with me, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you still speak. You have spoken and you continue to speak, God. I pray that you would help us to have an ear to listen, Lord. Help us, God, to be people that believe. Help us to be a people of faith, God. You desire for men to believe you as little children, to have faith and trust as a child, God. Bring us back to that childlike faith here this afternoon, God. And help us, Lord, to cast our gaze upon you and you alone, regardless of the reality of things going around, on around us in our lives, in culture, in government, God. Help us, Lord, to focus on the reality of you, of your divine nature and what you can impart to us here this morning. Help us to grasp, help us to catch, help us just to realize in our lives these promises you have for us this morning. In Jesus' precious and wonderful name, amen and amen. I I really just want to exhort and encourage you here this morning. In light of what this morning is, Charter Sunday, in light of the new beginnings that all of us have, in, have embarked upon, in light of where God has brought us from, what He's done in us up to this point, and where He's taking us, I want us to, to, to look at, to establish, and to encourage one another of this point, that I want us to continue to be 
a believing church, a church that places all their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I Listen, we can place our faith and trust in many, many things. And every single thing that is temporary and of this world will always let you down. You place your trust in your job, your job can be gone in a moment. You can place your trust in your spouse, it can, they can be gone in a moment. You can place your trust in your accolades and achievements and your position in life and all those things. And every one of those things are gone in a moment. Democrat, Republican, government or no government, every single thing will let you down. And what I want to do here this morning is to encourage every person to understand that Jesus is simply looking for a people that will just believe what he has said. A people that will simply, as it's as simple as this, as children, that we will simply cling to every word he has said, every promise he has put before us, and we will just believe it. We'll just believe it. Because I am not content. I am not content with the status quo. I am not content with with stagnation. I'm not content with neutrality. I am only content with moving on with God. And you can only move on with God by believing Him, by trusting Him, by encouraging your faith in Him. And, and, And listen, I was talking to Brother Whitney yesterday on this subject. This is not my church. This is not Stephen's church. It's not your church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. Don't place your trust in a man. Don't place your trust in leadership necessarily. Ultimately, your trust must be in the chief shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. He will never let you down. I've said this at the beginning. I'll continue to say this. Stephen will let you down. Though I may be sincere and try with all my heart, I am an imperfect, fallible man, and I will let you down. I can try my hardest. I will let my family down in some sense. Granted, it's not some gross, huge sin, but I will in some way because I am not perfect. I will let you down. Your pastor will let you down. But I will tell you this. I'm following Jesus, and as I follow Jesus, imitate me in that because that is my model. That is the one who I pursue. It is Jesus Christ. He will not let you down. He will not let you down. And I I just, I just, if the Lord will help me to really get across what's in my spirit, not what's in my notes, but just, what's, just to get across to you what's in my heart, what's, what's in my spirit, that if, if we want to see God's mighty hand in this church, we want to see people saved, we want to see us grow, we want to see people who are bound by sins and they're continually a roller coaster of life and they, they fall and they get back up, they fall and get up. I want to see people delivered. I want to see people victorious. I want to see us go on with God. I want us to have a new song in our hearts every time we come in here. Every time we come in here, I don't want to just settle for a past. I don't want to pursue something that's in the distant future. But I want God now, and I want to lead Him, follow Him wherever He leads me presently. I'm not pursuing anything of the past that's behind me. I don't know what the future holds, and so I'm clinging to Jesus right here, right now. And if we want to see anything occur in this church, we must be a people of faith. A people of faith. Faith has been made into something it's not by the TV preacher and the televangelist. 
Faith is considered something you wield. Faith is considered something that uh, you pump up. Faith is considered something you gain by giving more money or doing more things to gain God's um, approval as if he's a Santa Claus. But faith is simply this. Faith is simply this. It is inherent trust and enduring confidence in God because of his power, wisdom, and goodness. Faith and trust is not something you pull out of your pocket when you need it. It is a place of living. It is a position of your life. You cannot be saved except by faith. God is moved always, not by personal achievement, not by personal holiness necessarily. He's always moved by faith. Always moved by faith. There were two instances in the Gospels where Jesus marveled. In one instance, he marveled at a great lack of faith when he went to his hometown. He could not do many signs and wonders because there was no faith. There was a familiarity with Jesus. Isn't this Joseph's son, Mary's son, a carpenter? Who is he? And and besides, the Christ, the Messiah, he doesn't come from Galilee. And and all these things, this familiarity with him. And when when Jesus reveals himself to his hometown, after it's all said and done, they want to stone him. There's this familiarity with him, and, and, and he was not what they were expecting. But there's another time where Jesus marveled. God, listen, Jesus, God incarnate, God who made everything, the billions and billions of stars, the mountain, the rivers, the lakes, the, the landscape. He created the human body and all its intricacies, everything he created, which is a, an amazing marvel and wonder. But it says that Jesus He is God. He marveled at the faith of the Roman centurion. And the Roman centurion exhibited a faith that that Jesus did not see very often, even in the people of God in Israel. And Jesus marveled. Jesus was always moved by people's simple trust and faith in who he was. It It is... It is a person that we place faith and trust in. Your faith is only as good as what is the object of your faith. That's as only as good as it is. How many of you got some money in your wallet? Got some Benjamins? Andrew Jacksons? I got a bunch of Washingtons. You got money in your pocket. That money means absolutely nothing. It's just paper. (coughs) It's nothing. Right? But it's only valuable because of the government that backs it up. And you can trust that currency throughout the entire world because everybody knows the United States, the government, is good for it. The currency of the American dollar is the highest throughout the world. It's, 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 it's what everybody attains for. The American dollar can be used everywhere. Everywhere. But that, your faith in that dollar is only as good as the government that backs it up. And your faith, your faith is only as good as what it is entrusted to. Only as good as it's entrusted to. And we read in 1 Peter where he says, I write this to people of like precious faith. Your faith is so important, it is precious. God has a high view of your faith. He's just looking for people. He's just looking for people to simply believe him. 
That it's not beyond his control to save your boy or your girl. It's not beyond his control to save your coworker. It's not beyond his control to deliver somebody from sin, from drugs, from alcohol, from pornography. He just wants somebody to believe him. Just, just believe. Childlike faith to believe. And that's why he says your faith is precious. Precious means valuable or costly. Valuable or costly. Your faith in Jesus Christ is valuable and costly. And your precious faith, it always, 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 if you adhere to Jesus Christ, will always result in precious promises. Always. Precious promises. This word of God is full of promises to people just like you and me. This book was not written because of the greatness of men. It was written because men simply trusted God because he had promised them something and he held up his end of the deal. Abraham was not selected because he was holy and perfect but it's because he trusted God. He believed God. He had faith, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And it was through his faith, through the seed of faith, through the son of faith, which was Isaac, that Jesus came. That Jesus came. And he is asking for people to simply believe him. Precious faith leads to precious promises. He says in verse 4, By which, having been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The Lord has promises for you. He's not hanging a carrot in front of you, telling you to jump through certain hoops, and then I'll bless you. He blesses faith. Faith always leads to obedience. It always leads to righteousness. It always leads to a desire to please God because faith is is the position of relying on, clinging to, trusting in the person of Jesus Christ. That is what faith is. It's this inherent trust, this enduring confidence in Jesus Christ. So go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Extremely well-known piece of Scripture, the entire chapter. Oftentimes referred to as the Hall of Faith or the Champions of Faith. All these Old Testament examples given. And the whole subject matter is the faith of men simply believing God. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. For by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, 
and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, verse 1 is not necessarily a definition of faith. The definition of faith is what I just told you. It is this absolute trust and clinging reliance upon Jesus Christ. How many, how many of you have ever flown in an airplane? Okay. You don't halfway trust an airplane. You're either all in or you're still on the ground. Okay? When you step onto that tarmac, when you step into that plane, you're placing your entire life and entrusting your entire life to that pilot, to the engineers who, who created and planned that airplane, to the people who, who built that airplane, to the people who fly it, to the air traffic controllers. You're placing a lot of trust and faith in a lot of people, whether if you consciously realize it or not. And you cannot have one foot on the ground and one foot in the airplane. You're either in the airplane or you're out. And so you're either in Christ or you're not. You're either in faith to him. By faith, you have received by grace through faith in Jesus alone. You're in Christ. So you're clinging to him, relying upon him. The same way every single one of you are right here are trusting that chair to uphold you. Did anybody come in here and inspect that chair? You just sat right down, didn't you? You just, you just automatically trusted him and believed it's going to hold you up. And it's the same simplicity of faith. That is what faith in Christ is. That's the definition of faith. That's it. It is that inherent trust, that, that enduring confidence in God because you know who he is. But Hebrews 11.1 1 is not necessarily a definition of faith. It tells us how faith works. This is how faith works. It is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, things seen. Really, he's saying the same thing in two different ways. Evidence and substance. Faith is the evidence of substance of things hoped for and the things not seen. Just as our physical eyesight is the sense that gives us evidence of the material world, faith is the sense, if you will, that gives us endurance of the invisible spiritual world. You do not walk by sight, you walk by faith. And so when we come here as believers, though we may be a few people right now, faith says God can still move. Though my, my, my lost loved one is in the pits and, and, and is, and in, and is in, uh, in danger by, by, by the devil, faith says God can still save. Faith still, faith does not deny reality. Is not living in, in this, this, this fairy tale world, but faith in light of and in spite of reality still believes God. Faith allows you to see what your physical senses cannot see. Your feelings will always lead you astray. Never follow your heart, never follow your feelings. They will always lead you astray. If you wake up in the morning and you just don't feel spiritual, who cares? That doesn't change this. It doesn't change the faithfulness and goodness of God. And neither should you change your trust in Him. That's your feelings. Those things come and go. I can feel great one second, something happened, and the world is falling in on me. I could be on top of the world, ready to slay every giant, every devil, and they get my food order wrong for lunch. 
and everything is ruined. The devil's trying to hurt me, right? That's nonsense, but that's how silly sometimes it can be. God is greater than what we see, than what we see. And so we do not navigate this world by our physical senses. We do not allow the things we see to dictate how we move forward. We allow by the Spirit, trusting God, knowing whom we have believed, knowing He is the Good Shepherd, that though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, I don't know what's before me, what's behind me, what's around the corner, but I know who I'm believing in, the Good Shepherd. And His rod and His staff, they comfort me. My, 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 my spouse may not be able to comfort me. My money may not be able to comfort me. My position may not be able to comfort me. My past cannot comfort me. But Jesus, who stands behind, before and behind me, the good shepherd, he will take care of whomever is entrusted to him. Whatever you are following will always dictate what follows you. If you're following the good shepherd, how does that psalm end? Psalm 23? Surely. Surely, I am assured, I know this promise. Surely, His goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely, goodness and mercy and grace and love and joy and victory shall follow me all the days of my life. Not because Stephen is great, but because I'm following one who is greater than me. Who knows all things. Who who has my best interest in mind and I can try to figure it out in my own way, try to do it in my own power, my own strength. But if you can, by the Spirit, simply trust God, let go, allow Him to be in control, I promise you, you will make it through that valley every single time and stronger for it. Stronger for it. He's just simply asking for people, will you believe me? He's looking to and fro. He is scouring the earth for people just to simply believe him. If, if, if I have my little boy, Oliver, standing up here on the communion table, and I'm, I'm down here, and I say, all right, jump, jump. And he says, Daddy, I don't think you're going to catch me. How much would that hurt? Daddy, I don't trust you. Why would he say that? He has no reason to think I'll drop him. He has no reason to think to tell, that I would tell him the, the, uh, a falsehood. That, hurt, that would hurt a father's heart, right? You want your child to inherently trust, and they do. They do. That's why we say a childlike faith, because they do. But how badly that hurts when you know I can catch you. Or when I'm, when I'm in the pool, and, I, and Lily, she's, she's very cautious. And um, I say this oftentimes that Morgan and Jonathan's kids are going to make sure that my kids always have fun and my kids are always going to make sure that their kids stay alive. Because <laughs> my kids are so cautious. So cautious. And, and I can sit right there in the shallow end of the pool. Hunter and Kristen have a pool right across the street from where we live. And I could tell her a thousand times, jump, jump, I'll catch you, jump, jump. And it will take forever. She's gotten better now. She's good. But there was a time, I'll catch you. You you don't trust me? You think I'm not able? Right? Come on. It's the same with the Lord, isn't it? Oh, he just wants you just to jump when he says jump. Trust when he says trust. Believe when he says believe. He has your best interest in mind. He won't drop you. He won't let you drown. He won't allow it. 
He's a good, he's a good shepherd. He's, a, he's not their hireling. He won't run away when bad times come. He, will, he won't leave you abandoned and desiring for help and aid when everything's coming in on you. He's the good shepherd. He lays his life down for you. He lays your life, his life down for you. But you can only walk in his promises, his victory, his blessing, these precious promises, if you will, if you will have this precious faith, which is so important, which is so important, which is so costly and valuable. I want you to know this, though. The Lord, the Lord never tells you to step out on blind faith. There is no such thing in Christianity as blind faith. There's no such thing. Let me explain by an illustration. How many of you have ever been broken down on the side of the road in a car? It's not pleasant. How many of you have been broken down on on the side of the road in the middle of the night? Even more so not pleasant. Imagine you, let's, let's, let's use an example as a woman, Any woman in here, imagine you're driving back roads, don't know where you're at, your car breaks down, you pull over, the car won't go, the nearest town is five miles away, your cell phone won't work, there's no way to be saved unless you get out and you walk. Okay? Imagine you're walking, and along comes this loud truck, stops next to you, there's two men in there and say, hey, jump in, we'll give you a ride. Who's jumping in? Anybody? But if you did hop in, that is blind faith. That is blind faith because you don't know who these people are. You don't know what they're going to do to you. You have no history with them, no relationship. You have no basis to justify you getting in that vehicle and trusting them. But if you're a husband, your son... Somebody you know comes up next to you. They call out to you. You notice this familiar voice. You look over. I'm saved. You immediately will jump into that vehicle, won't you? Because you know this person. You can trust them. And the Lord never asked you to blindly trust him without sure making sure you know you can trust him. Paul said this, he says, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am intimately acquainted with the one I'm believing in. It's not blind faith. It's not a blind leap of faith. God, I'm just going to jump out. You you haven't told me a thing. I'm just going to jump out. And he doesn't give you any kind of assurance. Any kind of assurance. And he says, For I know whom I have believed, I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him this this day, till the the day, to what I have committed to him until that day. What he is saying is, I know God, I know his nature, he has proven himself to me, he has shown himself to be worthy of trust, and so I have committed myself to him, not blindly, but yes, by faith, not knowing the future, but knowing whom I'm believing in. The object of your faith, the, 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 the success of your faith is dependent upon whom it's placed in. And if you know him, that is not blind faith. Jumping in a car with strangers in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night is blind faith. But I know the Lord. 
He has proven himself to me. He's made himself real to me. He has given me special assurances. And so, by faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. It's the way that I perceive what is in the spiritual that I can't not in the natural. And the Spirit of God within me cries out, Abba, Father. And it's not just this mental ascent. It's not just... Me believing enough, reading enough, filling my head with enough knowledge, it is this real life of the divine nature of God living and dwelling within me and my spirit confirming with his spirit that I am his. And he assures me, he assures me that he will catch me. He assures me that he has my best interest in mind. In the spiritual, in the, in the, in, in the spirit, he does that. Nobody can see that, but he does that for the one who will believe. So that's how faith works. That's how faith works. It's, 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 you can look out here and it's pitch black in the middle of the night. And you don't see a thing. But you can put on some night vision goggles and you see everything. That's what faith does. It brings substance. It brings an, a, a, a formation to what is vague and black and dark. It brings clarity. Because I'm believing in the Lord. That's who I'm trusting. That's who I'm standing upon. It's not, it's not this moving target that I'm trying to, to pin my faith on. This, this, no, it's in Jesus Christ. Because I'm entrusted to him. Whatever's going on around me, I may not understand it. I may have fears. I may doubt some things. I may waver. But keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. He will never let you down. Never let you down. Let me say this as a personal note. To every person that is here, there are some missing who consider this their church. But all of you have taken a step of faith in being here right now. I have taken a step of faith. And it cannot be at the whims of men. cannot be on your own whim or what you think to be a good idea. But I fully understand and I'm greatly honored and humbled that any of you would step out in faith with me and trust the Lord with our future as a corporate body, as a church. I am humbled and I am honored by this. Whenever you call me pastor, I'm still getting used to it. I don't even know if I'm refer- I've, I've referred to myself as Pastor Stephen yet. But I, don't, I do not esteem this title, pastor, as some place of authority that the Lord did over you. But when you call me pastor, it means shepherd. And it means that you have entrusted yourself to my guidance and my leadership as your pastor, as I follow the guidance and the leadership of the over-shepherd, the chief shepherd, which is Jesus. And I want us, as a community of believers, to love Jesus with all our hearts, to love one another with all of our hearts, and just to believe him. Just to believe him. I'm so thankful for his favor and what he's done in our lives. I've said several times it's been frighteningly easy up to this point, but you know why? Because for some time we've been in labor and travail. And now it's, 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 it's finally given birth to joy. And so the time of trial and testing has already come. 
We will always suffer for the Lord. I understand that. I understand that. It takes sacrifice and giving and death to self and crucifixion of the flesh and picking up your cross daily. I get that. But this does, the ministry in, in church life doesn't have to be a drudgery. It doesn't have to be something that you, you amp yourself up for to face. This is a vibrant life. This is a life of victory. This is a life of progression. This is a life of advancement. This is a life of faith. And we must be a church who just believes God, who will take him at his word and will do it. Take him at his word and believe him. Steve, if you could come help me, please. And so if you look further on in Hebrews chapter 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him. These Old Testament examples are not mentioned because of their achievement or personal holiness, but simply because they trusted God. And so they are forever in this hall of faith. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because faith will always lead to obedience. It will always lead to righteousness. It will always lead to his will being performed in your life. His glory being reaped from your life. He goes on to say at the last part of verse 6. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. It is by faith we will seek the Lord. We will entrust ourselves to him. We will diligently seek him. Listen, he is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. He is a rewarder. You will reap if you faint not. You will see. You will see a harvest from the time of prayer and trust and giving and believing and going and doing for him. Even when it doesn't feel right. Even when it doesn't feel good. Even when you don't see it with your senses. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him by faith. He, he rewards you. It, it's, it's, it's not, it's not all, all suffering and no reward. There is reward in anything, anyone entrusted to the Lord. Because his ultimate blessing, his ultimate glory comes through your life to the one who is holy and completely given over to him wholly and completely given over into him. And so let me conclude with this. We see in this chapter that this kind of faith is a faith that believes in spiritual realities, leads to righteousness, seeks God, believes in his goodness, has confidence in his word, obeys his commands, regulates life on his promises, seeks a heavenly home, perseveres in testing, blesses the next generation, refuses sin's pleasure, endures persecution, performs mighty acts of righteousness, suffers for God, and does not return to the country that they had left. That is the world. That is the kind of faith we're talking about. That is precious faith that will always lead to God's precious promises that no man can give and no man can take away. You stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Lift your hands.
Ask the Lord to increase your faith here this morning. Let the object of your faith be Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lift up your hands. Open your mouths. Admit your, your need and trust of the Lord. Tell the Lord we're going to be a committed people who trust, who believe, who will diligently seek the Lord to see, to see Him move in our lives. And that He would be glorified in the answer to prayer. That we pray not for our own benefit, but for the glory of God, for the benefit of the people we love, for your body, for God's body, the church. God, help us to be spiritual people who walk not by the dictates of the flesh, who are not governed by our carnal nature, but we're governed by the Holy Spirit, that we have eyes of faith that perceive what is not seen as real reality, that faith will be able to see and give substance to, substance to and evidence for the things we do not see with our natural eyes. God, help us. Help us here as a church body to entrust ourselves to you, to go on with you, God. To entrust ourselves to you as the good shepherd who will lead, who will protect, who will care, who will correct us because you love us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Let us find a place to pray. If you want to come and stand at the front, if you want to walk in the back, if you want to kneel at your chair, please find a place to pray. Let's meditate upon His Word, upon His promises for us, and let's seek the Lord. The ushers will serve you communion here shortly, but let's just seek the Lord here for a moment. Wherever you're at, standing at the front, wherever you feel comfortable to do so.